0: Being a chef
1: means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No Tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. <laughs> What is going on everybody, John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast, back at it again. Uh, just finished watching the Monday Night Football game. Let's be honest, the game kind of sucked. Uh, not much, the, as my guy Vic Tafer, who covers the Raiders, follow him on Twitter, he's a good follow, he just tweeted, and I think he's dead on. I, I think it's official, we can proclaim Danny Dimes. That nickname's dead. You know, at one point in time... How does the guy have so many fumbles? I think he has seven fumbles. He's been playing for like six games. How is that even possible? He's a turnover machine. Uh, arrogant Gettleman is coming back to earth a little bit. At least Saquon's fun, and uh, that's about all I got on the Giants. We'll dive into the Cowboys here in a second. Uh, the AFC North, I-, I got some thoughts just on the Steelers. The Obviously, the Ravens got a big win on Sunday night, and the debacle that the Browns are. The Eagles and the Chiefs find ways to win, even when a bunch of weird stuff's happening. The Jets, on the other hand, are just basically full of chaos. Got to give John Gruden some credit. You know, I'm there during the hard times and the bad times. Got to come in when the good times come, and we'll kind of go with the good and the bad with Gruden. This team's 4-4, four and, four. and uh, they might have played the most entertaining game on Sunday against the Lions. Stafford's having a good season, too. The, the Raiders' defense isn't very good, but Derek Carr is having one of the best seasons of his career. And uh, should the Jaguars just move to London? Because that's what I would do. And I'll tell you why. And then just some different things I wrote down during the day on Sunday. I guess when you watch football from 6.30 a.m. to about 8.30 p.m. You just have a notebook and a phone full of notes. And I got some takes. Uh, I appreciate it. I got a lot of positive feedback on the Carson Palmer interview. If you haven't listened to that, it's kind of an evergreen interview. Did it on Friday. Seems like a lot of you liked it. Listen, I mean, it was cool it was awesome for him just to come on he couldn't be any cooler he's uh he's the man I mean there's no way there's no way around it I I, I don't know him that well and he couldn't have been any more candid about his career the position it's a pretty cool in-depth interview for a guy that played 15 years in the league multiple time pro bowler you know number one overall pick there, there was so much stuff I wanted to ask him but we just his answers are so good I didn't even have time we really didn't even talk about being the number one overall pick and What's that feeling like? I mean, we got guys like Burrow and Herbert and Tua that are clearly going to be pretty high picks. You know, the pressure of playing in college. Maybe I'll have to try to get him on, you know, again later in, uh, maybe during draft or playoffs or something. I'll have to figure out a time because he was uh, he was pretty cool. But the Monday night game, and then obviously the Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff ended every podcast by answering you guys' questions. Slide up into my DMs, my Instagram, same as my Twitter handle, but my Instagram DMs are open. Slide up in them, and we interact that way, and I answer your questions. I guess my big takeaway from the Cowboys, talent-wise, top to bottom, they are really talented. Like, they have a top five or six roster in the league. There was a moment tonight where Sean Lee is just blasting folks because Van Der Esch is injured. If Sean Lee is a backup linebacker for you, you're in a good spot. Amari Cooper, you know what's crazy? About, speak of the Raiders, Amari Cooper is having a much better season than Khalil Mack. Amari Cooper's on pace for like 85 catches, 1,200 yards, and 10 touchdowns. He's dominating. Since he's been on the Cowboys 16 games, I think someone, I saw someone tweet out his numbers in his 16 games. It was like 16 catches, nine touchdowns, and 1,300 yards. He's been a dominant, dominant Cowboy. Zeke is just the ultimate blue collar workhorse. We're just going to pound your ass with running back. And they're off. I mean, Jason Witten's terrible, but yet he still functions. Blake Jarwin's an undrafted free. I guy's good. Randall Cobb, obviously defensively. Demarcus Lawrence is a beast. They got dudes. But I just think big picture, like, this is kind of their window. Because there was a stat they had on Monday Night Football. And I was, you know, I was listening to podcasts. But then I was like, I kind of feel bad. You, you just feel you're more into the game. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to attempt to listen to these guys. Booger, in fairness, was pretty funny when the cat came on the field. So was Tess. I give him credit on that one. They did a good job there. That, that that was a pretty funny moment when the black cat was running around. It was like, is that Adam Gase's cat? But they have 30% of their salary cap right now invested in their offensive line. And they have those guys. Tyron Smith's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Collins, the right tackle, the kid from LSU that fell to them. is highly paid. He's a really good player. Martin's a really good player. I mean, they got a really good offensive line. But when you give, and listen, I I like Dak. I've always been a fan of Dak Prescott. I like him actually more than Jared Goff. And you know what I feel about Jared Goff's contract. I'm just not giving that guy $110 million. I can stomach doing it to Carson Wentz because I look at Carson Wentz more like an NBA player. He can just carry my franchise. Jared Goff cannot carry my franchise. Dak can have subtle moments, but for the most part, he is dependent on a lot of help. And the moment I give him a lot of money, I do have to start cutting other players. Whether that's an offensive lineman, whether that's a sweet defensive lineman, whether that's a DB. Like, you, you can't feed everybody. And they've already fed a lot of people. What, what are we going to do with Amari Cooper? Like I said, Amari Cooper hasn't been paid yet. Now, Amari Cooper's number won't sniff Dax, because he'll probably get 50 to 60 guaranteed. But then between Amari and Zeke, that's like $100 million. Majority of teams that have a highly priced you know, quarterback... Don't have a running back and a wide receiver that account for that much money, let alone a sweet offensive line. That's just a lot of money invested. I I, I maybe would try to franchise Dak. I really think they're in a tough predicament here because this notion that it's just going to be easy, obviously Dak thinks that if they make the playoffs again, he's made the playoffs three times in four years. His stats are going to look good. They're going to have a playoff home game if they win the NFC East. It's just like, how are we going to get this thing done? I, I actually think Jerry Talk's a big game, and he's a deal closer. He's one of the great American businessmen. This is kind of a bizarre situation, because you're going to be in a position where you don't have two franchise tags, so you can't franchise them both if you, you just you feel like you have to franchise Dak, but you're just going to let Amari go? You don't, what do you think Amari would get on the open market? he'd be the best free agent to hit the market in years. Most times, free agents, like all the big contracts that are signed, like Khalil Mack, the Aaron Donalds, the Julio Jones, the Michael Thomas, those guys never get close to free agency. Imagine if they actually did. Uh, Amari would get paid 140% of what he's worth. But you're telling me Dak's just going to take some decent deal by December? It doesn't feel like he's already in this far. You might as well ride it out. Are the Cowboys going down the slippery slope of they're going to lose a guy? Because right now, you know, you would say Jason Garrett's not going to outcoach Shanahan. He's not going to outcoach Sean Payton. Uh, he's probably not going to outcoach Zimmer. Matt Lafleur. I don't really know what he's proven, but you're still playing Aaron Rodgers. You would like your chances with Aaron Rodgers. So, what if they lose in the first round and neither of those guys are are signed? What, what do they do? I I, I I just, it kind of hit me tonight, like, part of what makes the Cowboys the team that I actually picked to win the NFC before we actually saw games, and then we were three games in, I'm like, damn, they're 3-0, and Kellen Moore! And even tonight, you realize DeMarcus Lawrence, Van Der Esch, Kellen Moore, like, they do have a pretty strong <laughs> Boise contingent. They're play caller, and they're two best defensive players. Uh, Jalen Smith's pretty damn good, too. But they, they are probably more predicated than these other teams. Like, you saw what happened With the Saints, Breeze went out. They did not skip a beat. They won every game with Teddy Bridgewater. They did not skip a beat. So the way they've built their team is just pretty thoroughly. And then they also have Drew Breeze. But it's taken them years to kind of fine-tune that thing. The Cowboys have kind of worked to fine-tune it, and they're finally here. But now they're in the situation, because he was a fourth-round draft pick, that his contract's about to come to an end. And because of the timing of when they traded for Amari, his contract's also timed to come to an end. Well, back to what I said, you do not get two franchise tags. So I really think this kind of this home stretch, this Dallas Cowboy team is definitely the last time we're going to feel it this deep. And we know that Jason Garrett, if he does win a playoff game or whatever, and Jerry resigns him, is not the guy to take a team with less talent and make them better. You could argue he's capped right now. They're winning 10, 11 games these last couple years, but it's because their team's so damn good, not because they're out-thinking people and out-scheming people. Hell, weren't they 3-5 and five last year when they traded for Amari and he just kind of resurrected Dak? It wasn't really scheming. They say he throw the ball to 19. I hate that number, 19. I mean, can you Amari, can you just wear a normal wide receiver number? So I, I guess if I'm taking inventory right now on the NFC, I would have the Saints 1. I would have the Niners 1A. I mean, they, they are just, I'm giving the Saints the benefit of the doubt. Super Bowl winning coach, Super Bowl winning quarterback. They've been there. The Niners and them are going to play. So if the Niners beat them, I'll gladly change the uh, the hierarchy. But those two, to me, are the clear in the top tier. Then I got Dallas, Minnesota, and the Cowboys kind of in a group. Like, if you get them on a good day, they look good. If you get them on a bad day, they can get their ass kicked. They're just a little more hit or miss and then you got Seattle and LA kind of floating around. That you don't like. I think Seattle's pretty flawed, but they're going to win a ton of games, and they're tough to beat at home. I think the Rams are a little top heavy, but their schedule gets a little easier now. They added Jalen Ramsey. I, you know, I know Jerry thinks he's going to win the Super Bowl this year, and it's make or break for Jason Garrett. But the more you think about it, and the more you talk it out, my my, my NFC Championship. Uh, crown I was going to put on the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones seems a little crazy as I sit here in early November. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
1: Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. At ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board, they help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users? j-o-h-n that's linkedin.com slash j-o-h-n to post your job for free terms and conditions apply
3: you put it off long enough it's time to replace your tires tire rack has tires that will elevate your drive touring tires for commuter comfort performance tires for sporty handling all-terrain tires for on and off-road adventure go to tirerack.com to get started not sure where to begin Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Michelin, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
2: Okay, let's get into uh, the AFC North. And I-, I think this first half of the season... Which is now, what are we headed into? Week nine or 10? It's hard to keep up with the buys. But all all these teams have played eight games. One team's six and two, one team's four and four, and one team is two and six. I'm not even counting the Bengals. As Carson Palmer, if you listen to that interview last week, kind of crushed them in their franchise. And, you know, Mike Brown is what he is. But the AFC North this year has been a, a muscle flex on culture. And the teams that have it, and the teams that have been the standard of that division my entire adult life. And in, the, in fairness to the Bengals, once you know Carson left and Marvin Lewis came in, they hit on a bunch of picks. And they, they were a decent team. But the one team that's always sucked is the Browns. And the culture of these two organizations at the top has, has really established why they are who they are this year. And I think starting with the Ravens, listen... I'm a Harbaugh family apologist. I love Jim. I love the dad, Jack. And I love John. They are old school badasses. And as people that... People don't, I think, forget now because he's been in Baltimore so long. He was Andy Reid's special teams coach for a long time in Philadelphia. So I knew a lot of people when I got to the Eagles that had worked with John. And they always said, knew I was a Bay Area guy and Jim was becoming this rock star Jim was known as the nutty one, and John looks normal, you know, a little smaller, dresses normal, everyone's like, God, he, he's got his shit together, Jim's the the crazy one, and people are like, hey, you know, don't, don't let John's looks fool you, he's nuts, and I mean nuts in a good way, good football coaches are crazy, and John's got it, and the Ravens, I, I'm going to tip my hat and eat a little crow on this, Lamar's a lot better than I thought, he is He's much less frenetic than typically a, a running quarterback is. A lot of times running quarterbacks have one read, then they freak, and then they freak in the pocket. Lamar's very under control. Even Kaepernick, who was probably the best running quarterback of the last decade for his two and a half year little run in San Francisco, if his first read or second read really weren't there, he would get really frenetic and it would lead to crazy sacks and it would kind of screw up the offense. And when I watch Lamar against the Patriots, again, it's so new, and there are all, a lot of good teams have yet to play him. Just over the next four or five years, we're going to learn a lot. But you can't help but see, this guy's pretty calm, cool, and collected. And I'm inclined not to like running quarterbacks. In, in my experience with Michael Vick, who was as physically as gifted as I've ever seen up close and personal and just on TV or the All-22 or whatever, his biggest issue was he couldn't stay healthy because he was so reckless with his body. And I see some of that in Lamar that he's going to have to clean up if he's going to want to maintain. But the one thing I'll say about Lamar Jackson, he clearly is a really high-level guy who works his ass off at his profession. And it was dramatically improved since he's been in the NFL. So I I root for, even if I don't like you out of college, I say it all the time, I'm rooting for you if you're a good guy. Just like I root for Josh Allen. Now they aren't my you know first you know, pick in a draft of the guys I'd want. Though, Lamar's really growing on me. Because Greg Roman, who the Harbaugh brothers swear by, can run an offense when you give him a running quarterback. And the the Ravens are rolling. And that was an impressive win last night. That place was rocking. It felt like a college game. So, right now, I look dumb on Lamar Jackson. He's a stud. He's clearly the best quarterback out of that draft two years ago. And it's not even close right now. He's in a different category than the rest of them. Now he benefited from going to a high-level organization with a coach that has won a lot of games and successful, people that just know what they're doing. The other organization in that division that just knows what they're doing, probably even more than the Ravens, is the Steelers. And remember when they traded a first round for Mink and Fitzpatrick? I thought it was insane. Roethlisberger had just got Tommy John surgery. I think they were 0-3 at the time, maybe 0-2 at the time. But then they lost the next game and they were 0-3. I thought it was reckless. And as time has gone by... I completely understand why they did that because they don't, the media loves when you tank the media supports tanking. They they love Sashi Brown. I think a lot of media members that went to Northwesterns and the Missouris and the Syracuses view themselves as the intellectual elites. They saw Sashi Brown, super smart guy, Ivy leaguer or whatever. See a lot of themselves in them. He tanks and they go, wow, I could do that. Admire it. But it didn't work. Like, What does Cleveland have to show for it? We'll get to that in a minute. Tanking is the most overrated term, especially in football, that you can use. It does not work. Now, you could tank a couple games late, late in the season, but if you just have humans playing the game, they're going to try hard. You're not going to tank. And the Steelers, the thing I admire about them most as a business, their philosophy, they would never utter the words. I've only worked for one NFL team. If you brought up the word tank in the Eagles' offices, whether it was around Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, whether it was around business people, you get kicked out of the office. That, that, that would be like, there's not a worse, worse slur that could come out of your mouth than the word tank. In any high-level organization, those words, that, that word is embarrassing. It works for the really shitty organizations, and it, it does work in basketball. Or it can work. I don't know if it's the Warriors are going to attempt it this year. The lottery odds have dramatically changed. We'll see. But historically, if there's a Jordan, Zion, LeBron, I I get it. Football is not that way. Especially in this draft where there clearly is no suck for luck, right? There is no some game changer. Because once upon a time, the Cleveland Browns, who attempted to tank, passed on guys like Deshaun Watson. And ended up with their version of this short, chubby, angry guy that they got going right now. But the difference yesterday in the Steelers game... And they beat the Colts at home. They're now 4-4. Four and four. In their lowest moment, it didn't get any shittier than the way this year started. They got rid of Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Roethlisberger tears his elbow. You're like, God, this is going to be the year that Tomlin finally doesn't you know, break 500. They're going to win three or four games. Nope. 4-4. Four and four. They still got two games left against the Browns, a game against the Bengals. They play the Jets and the Bills. When all the dust settles, Steelers probably not going to make the playoffs. But I bet a grand right now they go 8-8. Eight and eight. I'm probably inclined to say they go 9-7. and seven. And if I was a Steeler fan, and I understand why the Steelers, probably beside the Cowboys and maybe the Packers, have the biggest fan base, quantity-wise, in the country when it comes to the NFL. There, there's a reason. Because they always win. That is the standard. That is the mindset. And, uh, the Ravens have had the same mindset since Harbaugh got there. And really before that with Ozzie and Billick, and Ray Lewis, and Ed Reed. Like, those are the standards. We're just going to keep winning. And, and and when you we get a curveball thrown at us, like Roethlisberger goes down, we ain't going to flinch. And Fitzpatrick had a pick six yesterday in a game they ended up winning by two. If Hoyer, let's say, throws a touchdown on that pass, it's a difference in the game. Minka, I, I saw a stat. Since they've got him, he has 25 tackles, four picks, and a forced fumble. He's been freaking unreal. There's no chance on God's green earth they're 4-4 four four without him. Like I said, he literally, his play won them the game yesterday. Or was the difference in the game when you take a step back and look at a big picture. So the culture of those two franchises are why they run circles around the Cleveland Browns. Who, this offseason when they needed a head coach, relied on Freddie Kitchens. And yesterday after shoegate. For some reason, Odell Beckham and now his buddy Jarvis Landry, it's always something. Like, you guys can't just wear normal cleats to a game. You have to wear the clown cleats. You guys are two and five. Maybe I understand if you're five and two or six and one, making some statement, and it's like, oh, they're just guys being guys, having some fun. You guys are two and five. And my, if you listen last week, the reason I liked the Broncos, I didn't necessarily like them to win, but I liked the points. In what world? Was Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield just some lock to go into Mile High and beat Vic Fangio? Now, you can say what you want about Vic Fangio as a head coach, though I do think the Denver Broncos has been one of the better terrible teams I've ever seen. They'll probably end up 5-11, and, and they're going to be in every single game they play. And what happened? I look up at the television yesterday, it's 14-3. Of course it is. Vic Fangio is just a much higher level guy than Freddie Kitchens. And Baker Mayfield, who again... I was texting with people in the league, why does he look so fat right now? Why does he look like me? Why does he look so terrible? Here's the other thing, Baker. You are not Lamar Jackson. Your comparison, and I use this comparison to you coming out of college, was Drew Brees. You know what Drew Brees, who gave a, if you haven't seen it, Google his pregame speech to Purdue. He could make a living off giving football teams pregame speeches. You know what Drew Brees does not do? He does not run around. He does all of his work from a little three-yard radius within the pocket. He is accurate on the highest level. That's where he wins. Baker, you are a below-level NFL athlete. In a sport that, over the last 10-plus years, has never had more defensive linemen that run as fast as they do. Most defensive ends now run high 4.5s, 4.6s. The top picks all run like 4.4s. you have some defensive tackles now, guys that weigh 300 plus pounds, running 4.78, 4.82. These guys are faster than you. Stop. Last week on Thursday Night Football, Kyler Murray tried to run away from D. Ford. It took D. Ford two steps to catch Kyler freaking Murray. You are not fast enough to run away. Your only way you're going to win, and this is also on the coach, is win from within the pocket. If you're going to be a great player and ever, ever justify this number one overall pick, it's going to be a badass in the pocket. I know Dorsey, who was around Favre, was like we, we loved his gusto and his bravado, remind us of Favre. You know the major difference of Brett Favre and, and Baker Mayfield? One Brett who I've met is sneaky much taller than you think. One when he was younger, Google or YouTube, Brett Favre like mid-90s when he won back to back to back MVPs. Who Marty Morningwig told me once in the Eagles offices, he'd been in the league at that time for like 20 plus years. I think he has 30 years of NFL experience. The best player in the height of his powers he'd ever seen. Like, you ain't that, Baker. You're Drew Brees. Who The reason Drew Brees is going to be a first-bound Hall of Famer is not because of physical gifts. It's not because of athleticism. It sure as hell is not because of size. It's because he's going to go down as the most accurate pocket quarterback in the history of the league. And Baker Mayfield, every time I look at him, I haven't even watched the uh, Bronco-Browns game yet. I'm going to do that later today or tomorrow. But that's beside the point. So I'm not even using that game as an example. I've seen so many times him attempt to make these plays outside of the pocket. Like, bro, that's like uh, Shaquille O'Neal shooting threes. That is not who you are. That is guaranteed failure for you. And the organization, Jimmy Haslam, Flying J, uh, they're just red flags all over the place. And the Steelers and the Ravens got to be like, yeah, they, they ain't never catching us. Because you had your chance to hire a coach. And I love this. Well, why aren't you getting on Baker? He's the one that wanted Freddie. I wouldn't have listened to Baker's opinion on who that next head coach should be if I was Dorsey or Jimmy Haslam at all. What? It's one thing if it's Rodgers and asking him, hey, what do you think of Matt LaFleur? It's another thing Baker Mayfield, who had 13 starts under his belt. And who's going to play for whoever you hire as the coach? Hire the best coach. Look at what the Steelers did. They hired Mike freaking Tomlin. And through the past decade and a half, or however long he's been there, they stood by him. You know why? Because Mike Tomlin's a pretty damn good coach. Does he have some flaws? Sure. John Harbaugh, who again, I've been critical over the years and had some quote-unquote, low years, you know, over the last three or four years. On John Harbaugh's worst day, he is better than Freddie Kitchens' best day. And he doesn't call the offense, and he doesn't even call the defense. So there's a culture and a muscle flex that we have seen, like, it it doesn't get any better than this. Like, it's a case study in high-level organizations and low-level organizations and everything that's going on. Because if they had a high-level coach, you know what they'd say? Baker, stop leaving the pocket. Odell, stop. Put on the normal shoes. You know what the Steelers do? Trade a one. And guys like me, you guys are idiots. Four games later, mika has got four picks. They're four and four. You're like, damn, is this team, could this team make a wild card? The Ravens are going to win the division with ease. And I thought, well, I wouldn't take Lamar Jackson. You know what they did? They built the whole offense around Lamar Jackson. You get Baker Mayfield, who's a pocket quarterback, and they're trading away offensive linemen. It, it, it really is not shocking when you just kind of talk it out. And we, we, it's such cliche, and you hear the word all the time. Like, we talk about culture, culture, culture. But it's true. And it's not just culture. It's a mindset. It's a philosophical belief. For years, the Browns tanked. And so many elites in the media were like, oh, Sashi's a genius. Well, you passed on Deshaun Watson. But Baker Mayfield, and the way they built this team, like, he's going to need offensive linemen, not Odell Beckham's. He can make, in theory, good, just solid wide receivers look good. Like Drew Brees. Why? Because he's accurate. Well, he can't be accurate if he's running for his life. And the the Browns are just a bunch of hollow, you know, hype. That's what it turns out to be. Where the Ravens and the Steelers are substance. This is
3: it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where
2: he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win.
1: Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get... had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com.
3: Eligible items only, exclusions apply. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive touring tires for commuter comfort, performance tires for sporty handling, all terrain tires for on and off road adventure. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Toyo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black
2: Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, let's get into uh, a couple other teams. And a little like the the Ravens actually haven't really had adversity this year, but the Steelers have. Two other teams that you've just seen weird, weird things happen and they haven't flinched. They haven't let chaos impact them in the least. Yet there's another team in the J-E-T Jets, Jets, Jets that have had chaos and have just disintegrated. I mean, they have become, and they are currently the worst team right now in the NFL. Them or the Bengals? I, I don't even consider the Bengals. I would say the Jets... Minus the Bengals, who are just in their own tier of shittiness right now, are the, they just lost to the Dolphins. And I, I think it's just an indictment, and I, this works in football, but it works in anything in life. It's why people are successful and why people aren't. When you get handed, it's it's easy to win a hand when you get two aces. It's it's easy to you know make some money if I give you ten million dollars and you can invest it however you want. Well, can and that let's say that person makes fifty million dollars. Well, can you make $50 million from scratch, a business? Can you just start a business from scratch? Like, yeah, what Tim Cook has done with Apple has been awesome. I've invested in it. It's impressive since he's taken over. He's made me some cash. But let's call it what it is. Apple was kind of running. I owned an iPad and an iPod before Jobs, you know, died. So what you do, like Jobs started that bad boy and got that thing rolling. Like that's more impressive than what Tim Cook did. Now, what Tim Cook's doing is impressive, and I love Apple. I'm looking at an Apple computer and an iPad playing uh, the Bronco-Cleveland game, and my cell phone sitting right next to me. But the Eagles and the Chiefs, who like Apple, you know, were highly hyped coming into the season. The Eagles had won a playoff game, and the Chiefs had been really an offsides from D. Ford away from winning the AFC Championship. When you take a step back, you're like, well, if they beat the Patriots, how would they not have beat the Rams? So they were, they've probably kicked themselves over last year. And both these two teams have been, were not dealt two aces this year. Starting with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, who messed up his ankle, who this new defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnola, has just kind of been hit or miss early on. And then Mahomes dislocates his knee. They took Matt Moore, who there were pictures of him last year scouting, or I mean this offseason, scouting for the Dolphins. Like his career was over. The Eagles, who it was reported on last week, that they've clearly had anonymous people leaking stuff about potentially Carson Wentz, and then Howard Eskin said it was Alshon Jeffrey, and then Alshon Jeffrey denied it, and it was just they've had Malik Jackson, their big free agent signing, gets injured. Deshaun Jackson, who's unreal week one, tears his abdomen and has basically missed the entire year. They've just had injuries left and right and just weird things going on. And both those teams yesterday get two big wins. And right now the Eagles, despite having a bunch of weird shit happen, are four and five. Somehow the, the Andy Reid and the Chiefs, which, listen, I, you'd have to go down and look at one of the craziest two-week stretches of his career. But to win a game... And really, they could have beat the Packers. To play that well in back-to-back weeks with Matt freaking more against the Packers and the Vikings, who had been two of the better teams in the NFL, has been a clinic by Andy and his protege, Doug, of just keeping the ship straight and just not letting all the. Now, it's probably crazier in Philly with the media and the intensity of these leaks, but Doug's done an incredible job. It's a little different in Kansas City, though I actually interned there my senior year in college in 07. Herm was there. It's, the Chiefs are a big deal there, and to win that game yesterday, and I watched it this morning with Matt Moore, was really, really impressive. Their, their defense was awesome, but Matt Moore made some big-time throws. Tyree Kill's just an elite player. Sammy Watkins played well. But that's, that's impressive. When things are not going your way, can you succeed? You know, it, it, it's easy to start on third base and be successful. You know, this season for both these two teams, there's just some weird things happening. Probably more weird stuff with the Eagles, but they're still alive. I mean, they've rattled off two pretty big wins back-to-back weeks. And the Chiefs, I I thought they were a lock probably to lose these two games to the Packers and the Vikings, and they didn't just, I mean, they split them, but they split them by really feeling like, you know, I know you can't win be one and a half and a half, and half, but it feels like that Packer game wasn't just a L. I mean, they they got a backup quarterback in Matt Moore and they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Meanwhile, the Jets, who I've supported Adam Gase, I always thought he was a good coach. Hell, he won a little with Matt Moore. Remember when Tannehill got hurt and he made the playoffs? Is clearly just a weirdo. Like Matt, or excuse me, not Matt, but Adam. How do you hate every single player? It's always someone else's fault. There's always an excuse. And then you get Joe Douglas, who I've heard really, really good things about. And he gets in this position. And there's always a story of, well, Kelechi and you are going at it. Well, you're trying to trade all these players that you told in their face you're not trying to trade. This stuff does not happen in New England. It does not happen in Kansas City. Hell, it doesn't even happen in Philly. So I'm starting to think, like, it's not all on the players. The debacle over the last couple weeks, and I've defended the Jets in the sense, like, yo, Jamal, like, come on, man. That you're going to be talked you're going to be talked about in talks, but it's pretty clear the information that has come out over the last five or six days is they were calling about Jamal Adams. So if you're going to look them in the face and tell them you're not going to trade him, and then you call the Cowboys and you say yeah you can have him for a first and two twos, like this is this is the big leagues, Joe. This is the New York Jets. You're not working under the radar anymore. You're not just you know a, a glorified personnel director. You're the general manager. And I, I think he's a really high-level guy, and everyone that I know that work with him, Philly really likes him. But this is chaos right now. It's a debacle. And I get you got a ton of money. I think he got like he got like twenty plus million dollars to sign there. I've never had anyone offer me twenty million dollars. I would imagine the good majority of people listening have not either. I, I'm signing that contract. I get it. But you hitched your wagon, to Adam Gase, Adam freaking Gase. Who looks lost right now who has a defensive coordinator that he cannot stand they do not talk they do not talk I've heard that from multiple reliable sources they do not speak but to lose to the Dolphins who if anyone's been paying attention and they were just on Monday Night Football against the Steelers if you just watched some bits and pieces of them the last couple weeks they are playing really hard now they don't have much talent but they Their effort level, just watching bits and pieces on the red zone, somehow that game got a lot of pub on the red zone. They just outplayed the Jets. They just tried harder. That's just an underrated aspect of professional sports is just effort. Like, yeah, if you got LeBron James or you got Peyton Manning, you're going to win more games. But if most teams are relatively equal, if you just try harder than the other team, you're going to be in position potentially to win the game. They don't even try hard. They clearly don't really like this guy. And then Joe Douglas and his actions have kind of fractured the locker room. So you were already pretty shitty. Now, no one trusts your coach or your general manager, and the guy that you traded up from six to three, remember, when you traded with the Colts and gave, I think, three second-round picks, is in shambles. So the biggest red flag on the franchise, meanwhile, Doug Peterson has got Carson playing really high, despite missing a bunch of injured guys all season long and struggling to run the ball and their defense not being very good, and he's winning with Matt Moore, and you're ruining Sam Darnold, and I get Sam Darnold has some flaws, he's... He's, you know, a little inclined to turn the ball over. But that's what they hired you to do. Fix him. And you're not only fixing him. He's just, he's been, he's seeing ghosts. I mean, he's in shambles right now. And I, I like the Browns, the Jets aren't ever going to change. The the, the the Browns aren't ever going to change. There's a reason the Eagles always win. There's a reason the Chiefs go to the playoffs every year. There's a reason the Ravens or the Steelers are a locked playoff team between the two of them every single year. And the Jets and the Browns just suck. And this year, if you like football, if you like management, if you're just fascinated by all this stuff, you should just take notes on how to avoid disaster and just read everything possible about the Jets and the Browns. Because they've put on a clinic on how to stay shitty in the NFL. Okay, do I need to uh, eat a little crow with John Gruden? Because I I thought he was a bottom five head coach last year and early on this season. Uh, I I thought it was a little out of control with the way everything was handled last year. But I got to give him credit. They're 4-4. and And what John Gruden was brought in to do, which was run the offense and save Derek Carr first and foremost, he's done. So I thought we'd do a little the good and the bad with John Gruden. Because I think he's one of the more polarizing guys in the league. He's clearly one of the most famous guys in the league. And, you know, I I originally started, I'm like, I think he's going to be a good head coach. And then that first year, he had so much power and the way everything handled with Reggie McKenzie, they, they gave him too much power. And it wasn't until he got Mike Mayock around that there was, and I still don't think Mayock's really pulling the trigger, but at least it's a guy that he respects and will listen to and can balance him out. But... You can't dispute that Derek Carr is having arguably the best season of his career, and he lost Antonio Brown the week before the season. He's missed Terrell Williams, his basically which was supposed to be his number two wide receiver, who's now his number one wide receiver, who's missed some games and been banged up. He's played with Hunter Renfro that looks like me or you. Darren Waller was addicted to drugs like a year ago, who's been in- incredible, and Josh Jacobs is a rookie. And the offense is awesome. So the good with John Gruden is he can coach offense. And he clearly can motivate the guys. Like, they are playing very, very hard. And one thing that was a knock on Gruden when he was in Tampa is he was an asshole. People didn't like him. The players did not like him. Now, maybe it's just they have a young team. They have a lot of influential players. It seems like all these guys really like him. They really enjoy him. Now, part of it, probably more now than ever... If you're part of the Raiders, you know he likes you. So if you're like, well, this guy's the boss, I might as well play hard for him. Because as I talked about with the Jets or even the Browns, like just because you're in the NFL doesn't some lock that you're going to play hard. So John Gruden, working with Derek Carr, figuring out how to get the most of him, drafting a running back in the first round, which I still am opposed to because I do think you could have got Josh Jacobs in the second round. But that's nitpicking. So I, I, I'm tipping my hat to him. He's 4-4, four and four, and I really think the Raiders have been one of the revelations of the league. I thought they were going to be a 3- or 4-win team, especially, mainly when Antonio Brown backed out. It's like, they are screwed. And then they start, you know, they play the Chiefs, they get boat raced, and they play the Vikings, and this looks really ugly. And they've come back, they, the Colts, the Bears, they, the, even the Packers. That score is not indicative of the game because Derek fumbled it into the end zone. They, they've been really good this year. They, they, they really, really have offensively. They've been dynamic, and that is Gruden's baby. He's the head coach slash play caller. So if the offense is good and the quarterback is good, who you have under contract long-term, Gruden's been good. Now, the bad is that he still is in charge of all the personnel, even though Mayock's the GM. I think Mayock has influence, but Gruden has to sign off on it. That's just the reality of the contract. No different like San Francisco. John Lynch is running the personnel department, If you want to acquire a player, Kyle Shanahan has to sign off on it. It's just the way the league works. you got a power structure, and Gruden's at the top. This team is really kind of a Khalil Mack away from probably being above 500, and us talking about as being a playoff team. If they would have had a legit pass rusher against Deshaun Watson, they win that game in Houston. Now, you can say, well, they got rid of Khalil Mack and led him to Josh Jacobs. True, but they also had uh Amari Cooper they got him pick 27 that if they had not had pick 24 and they still had Khalil Mack they could have drafted Josh Jacobs at pick 27 but that's also nitpicking their defensive roster is atrocious it is awful i think i talked to people in the league they think they have the worst defensive line on paper in the league their secondary is be- really bad i mean Matt Stafford every quarterback they play and they play Thursday night against Rivers who's kind of humming they do not match up well if you pass the ball. If you're playing a Chase Daniel, if they're playing a you know, Ms. Trubisky, if they're playing a even a Jacoby, they got a shot. But when they play an Aaron Rodgers or a Stafford, it's hold on to your ass. And luckily yesterday they were able to score enough cuz the Lions defense isn't very good, but their defense is bad. And I you know, I just wonder with Gruden they missed on Cleveland Farrell really really badly. And if they would have hit on that pick, a, i.e. a guy that we were all talking about in Josh Allen, that was clearly the second best pass rushing prospect in the draft behind Nick Bosa, now you could argue 3-4 system in Kentucky, stand-up guy. That's kind of what they're doing in Jacksonville. He's standing up. I, I do think you can teach guys to do both. Put your hand in the ground. Be a 4-3 defensive end. Because Cleveland Farrell, according to just about every metric and the eye test, is one of the worst players in the NFL and the Raiders struggle to get pressure, if they would have Josh Allen, that would help them immensely, and they would legitimately be a playoff team. Because I think you watch them. Their offense is a playoff offense. John Gruden has playoff game plans now. And anytime, I, I just think this probably works in any sport, once you taste a little success and start winning, guy, you get addicted to winning. Like guys start realizing we can do this. You don't need to be the Patriots to just be obsessed with winning. You can be a 500 team and, and be a team that's 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, that probably has five-win talent, but because you taste it, because you believe in your coaching staff, because you're just all in, it works. And I, I think that, you know, right now the good outweighs the bad with Gruden. They're even overcoming him missing pretty, pretty bad on that fourth overall pick. Even the 27th pick. I like Jonathan Abram. Uh, I, I love everything about his style of football. But when you draft a box safety in the first round in 2019, it's difficult to play. And the reason he's on injured reserve was because he destroyed a guy on the on Monday night football to open the season. And that's just the way he plays. And when you destroy a guy, sometimes your shoulder tears. And I, I you know, I think if you're a Raider fan or just someone that was down, you know, that was unsure about Gruden, I, I think he's proven a lot this season that his number one attribute is the thing you need the most, and that's calling plays and and coaching quarterbacks. The defense, I I don't necessarily know how he fixed that because the one time he's had a good defense, he inherited the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. And he had Monty Kiffin. Now, I I, I have a hard time judging Paul Gunther, their defensive coordinator. I'd always heard really good things. I I can't judge you when the players are the players that he's playing with because they're not very good. But I, I think overall, uh, John Gruden has had a very, very impressive first eight games of the 2019 season.
1: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with
2: Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well...
3: Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their general tire, test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an
2: addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Okay, let's, uh, let's dive into something that hit me yesterday. Daylight savings time. So I, you know, I didn't go out or anything Saturday night. Eyes just naturally kind of open like 6.30 in the morning on Sunday morning. First thing I do, because I'm sad, sad, you know, social media millennial life, check my phone. And I, I oh yeah, there's a 6.30 a.m. game. And luckily it's broadcasting. I, I just watch the thing on my phone. No no television in my room. I make up for it with multiple televisions in my living room. And I, I flip it on my phone and I'm watching the 6.30 a.m. game. Have breakfast, keep watching the game. It was awesome. You just watch the games up until the 10 a.m. games start. And it kind of hit me over the last 24 hours. I'm like, I like this. And I tweeted it out during Sunday. We should do this every week. And then I realized we kind of can't. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in a market that's not even in the top 40 in America. It's one of the smallest markets in the NFL. Right actually a couple of spots after Vegas. But I think we all admit Vegas is a much more lucrative proposition than Jacksonville. When it comes to corporate money and just the whole, you know, all the bells and whistles of the city. Why not just move the Jacksonville Jaguars to London and play eight 6.30 a.m. games, which are nighttime games for them a year. So out of your 17 weeks, eight of them will be 6.30 a.m. kickoffs. And then you can still suppl- you supplement it with, you know, three or four extra games. So you basically, all- you could get 12 6 30 a.m. games a year tell me that's not a genius business proposition so you will have football games not pre-game shows or post-game shows i'm talking games that we bet on that we play fantasy football on that we just watch from 6 30 in the morning pacific standard time all the way up till usually the sunday night game ends for me at around 8 15 if you're on the east coast even easier to consume. It starts at nine thirty in the morning up until the the end of the NBC game, which is late. But I do think you could still send teams over there. I, I've never been to London, so don't. I, I know I was reading. Albert Breer wrote in the Monday morning quarterback: the two games that they had at Tottenham's stadium, both of them sold out in under forty five minutes. There is a mark. It actually looks pretty good because the night game, when it's first thing in the morning, it looks pretty cool. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they don't want to be in Jacksonville anymore. Now, the players don't mind it because of taxes. And I don't know how the exchange rate and all that stuff. It's clearly a little complicated. But they're basically doing it now. However, they tax them when they go play over there for the games anyway. Jacksonville, Chad Khan, he'd move over there in a heartbeat. Just send the team there. And then you can still have games like when they're on the road, when Jacksonville's playing the Colts or Houston or whatever. You know, it's not that far of a flight. It's obviously a lot farther than it would be staying in Jacksonville. But I do think it's doable. And I also think it would be pretty cool. Just because of the inventory you'd get on Sunday mornings. You would have an, a game. Now, would Fox and CBS, all the you know networks with pregame shows love that? Probably not. So I, I, I get it's a little complicated. I don't think it's black and white. But I, to me, it seems like a no-brainer. Because the most powerful property of anything is the actual games. You put on NFL games on television, and people consume it at historic rates. So why not just move the Jacksonville Jaguars to London? You get eight games a year. You could send four other random games. You know, force three or four teams to give up home games, play it there. You basically the majority of your season get a Sunday start to finish all day of just games. Because right now we got three windows: right, the 10 a.m. to one a.m., well, one p.m., one p.m. to 4:30 p.m., and then the night game 5:30. Then you got Monday night. Now we'd have Thursday, we'd have all day Sunday, and then we would have Monday night. Talk about just 12 plus weeks of just football frenzy. I, I Tell me that's stupid. Tweet at me, DM me, because I really think it's genius. I, I really do. And when I read Albert Breer say that they both sold both these games out in 45 minutes, they're just events. Think of what people love doing now more than anything. It's just, I need an event to go to. Whether it's a beer fest, whether it's a comedy show, whether it's a concert, whether it's a Monday Night Football game, people, humans just like going to things. And especially when they're new. It's like you bring the EPL, you bring Manchester United and, and they played, I, I'm not, I don't pretend to be some soccer guy, but Manchester United versus Man City and you put them at Stan Kroenke's New Palace or Levi Stadium or put them in Philly, that thing would sell out in an hour. It's no different than putting American football over, overseas. People like it. You, you just give people events, and now the popularity and the fame of this league is so big. People know about it. People will go, even if they don't really know what the rules are. If you told me, you know, it, it happens a lot with soccer, I think, in America, though it's a little different. Soccer is just big in America, too. Clearly, American football is not big in London. but But I think it could work, because I think Jacksonville right now is a wasted market. And the NFL isn't into wasting anything. And I think there's probably a ton of money over there. And they could have a little quote-unquote international flavor. With really just having one team being international. It's no-brainer to me. Okay, let's hit on a couple other things. Just some notes I jotted down. Of just things, players, whatever that stood out to me. One, DK Metcalf is just a good player. Whenever I watch Seattle, 14 makes plays. And we all made fun of him for the picture. He looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, myself included. But he's really good. you know. And I think the knock on him was he could only run straight. And I remember when he ran really fast at the combine. I texted a bunch of people in the league. I'm like, this guy going go in the first round? And when people are sitting at the combine, they're like, well, I, I wouldn't discount it. And then I think you go back. You, you nitpick the tape. He had ha- been injured. But he, he's in a great spot. I mean, he's a deep ball pass catcher. I mean, that's his go-to route, just running the go route, or just anything deep-breaking, goes, posts, and he makes plays. I mean, he, he, he high points the ball. At least, I mean, I haven't watched every one of his targets, but whenever I'm watching them, he makes catches when it's thrown in his vicinity. So they are they are much more potent on offense because they have him in the fold to go along with Lockett and their stud running back. They missed we can't forget. They, they had a swing and a miss two years ago with Rashad Penny. And I like Penny a lot coming out of the draft. But he's not good. And I know John Clayton the other night was tweeting that they they ended up not trading him. They thought about trading him to keep a 1-2 punch. It's like, John, they, they don't have a 1-2 punch. They have a 1-punch. And their 1-punch, Chris Carson, is like one of my favorite players in the league. If you like physical football, you're going to like Chris Carson. But Tyler Lockett is a little limited in the sense that he needs a little help. You want him on your team as like a 2-3, slash three, and they, they don't really have a true one. It probably is more Lockett, but you put Lockett with this guy and Jerron Brown. Imagine you know, if Disley had gotten hurt. we got a big game Monday night, which as of right now, I'm scheduled to be in attendance Seattle Niners a uh, week from uh, today as I'm recording this. The Chargers, man, they are just never dead. I, I'm going to chalk up the game for the Packers. They just had a clunker. You know, you get you can go twelve and four, which means you're probably going to win your division in the majority of years and divisions, and you're going to lose a couple games where everyone thinks you suck. Like you get to lose some games in the NFL. You you, this is not college football. Now I get it looked bad, and it was in Carson where it's basically a home stadium, especially for a team like the Packers. But the Chargers kicked the crap out of them. They dominated the ball, the ground game with Eckler and. And Melvin Gordon. Uh, Rivers was really good. Mike Williams looks like a good player. And and Bosa and Ingram can take over a game. The the one thing about the Chargers, you got to give them their due. When they're on, they have the greatest, probably, pendulum of their high end and their low end. Like, you can watch them on a given week and you would be like, that's a top five team in football. And you can also watch them the next week and go, that's a bottom five team in the NFL. They're, They're just a bizarre operation. But that was an old school ass kicking. And we got Thursday Night Football, Raiders, Chargers. That's a pretty good game. Uh, give me Rivers at the Coliseum for the last time. I, I'm in. Um, is Minshew Mania dead? It, it might be. He was got up early for that game. Uh, watched a lot of it. As I talked about, I think the Jaguars should move to London. He didn't look very good. Uh, he, he looked awful, actually. He was just bad. Now, he's had a couple clunkers, really, this season. He's had some moments. And even in the games where he's had some moments... They haven't necessarily been like 65-70% completion percentage. He's had a lot of 15-for-31s. I like him. I'm rooting for him. I enjoy watching him, but I think it's safe to say that Nick Foles, when healthy, will start. Trubisky just keeps getting shittier. I I, I don't really know how it's possible, but every time I watch Mitch, I I think the stat line after the first half, he had one passing yard. I mean, he's just air mailing guy after guy after guy. He, He looks clueless out there. Now, because Chase Daniels your backup quarterback, it's not like you ha- really have a pivot. Like, what, what are your other options? I guess you just kind of see what you got. I know Jay Glazer, I saw him saying maybe to Colin or on a pregame show, but I, I do agree with him. When you trade up for this guy, you just got to play him this entire season. So you know at the end of the year when you cut him. And I had someone in the NFL that has worked with Ryan Pace before that told me he'd be shocked if he cuts him. And I, I don't see how you could not cut him. How, how are you going to have Mitch Trubisky as your backup? But I get that. We, you know, It's not abnormal for a guy that drafts a player to then not want to cut him even after he's kind of proven that he's not any good. And clearly, at the money he makes, because he was a second overall pick, he's not going to be a tradable player. Bill's defense is really good. I, I think it's safe to call them, I'll still use the word borderline, but a borderline playoff lock. They're going to get one of the two wildcard spots. I think we know pretty clearly that it's the Patriots – the Chiefs, the Ravens—I'm not putting this in any order yet—and the Colts or the Texans, one of those two teams. More than likely, that other Colts or the Texans team, depending on you know how long Jacoby's out. Uh, if you know, obviously, if Deshaun were to get hurt, but I think one of those two teams is either going to win the division and make the wild card, and the Bills will probably be the other wild card. Now, depending on who wins this Thursday night game, that team would technically still be alive. You probably have a little more faith in the Chargers, just given that they've been there, done that before, than the Raiders, given that their defense is just atrocious. But the Bills' defense is going to carry them to 10 wins. Now it helps. You play in the NFC East. The Dolphins, the Jets, are just atrocious. Now the Dolphins, credit where credit is due, they do play hard. Uh, The Broncos are just not that bad. They're just not. We talked about them earlier with the Broncos, or I mean with the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Fangio has not been just some fish out of water. And as you see with the Bears, they miss him, and they miss him badly. Like the the gap between Vic Fangio to Chuck Pagano. Chuck Pagano, nice guy. I don't know if he's super dynamic. You know, there's a big gap when you go from James Harden to your backup two-guard. That's kind of what it feels like to Vic Fangio. He's the best in the business as a defensive coordinator. Chuck Pagano, again, solid guy. He got taken to the cleaners in must situations with Doug Peterson. Doug knew everything he was going to do in every play call he was hitting when Chuck just like, that doesn't happen against Vic now when he's a defensive coordinator. And I think you watch the Broncos. They've had some weird stuff happen. They're on already on some random quarterback. The guy they draft in the second round has been injured the entire season. Hopefully he can come back and you get some reps out of him to end the season. But you know, they're going to go five and 11, but it's not going to be a super embarrassing five and 11. Uh, Minnesota. You know, I thought the Chiefs played really well, so I I don't think that's necessarily a bad loss. Also, it's on the road. I think it's a more impressive victory for the Chiefs than it is a bad loss. You know, Cousins was a little hit or miss in that game. I think there are some question marks with the Vikings secondary. You can tell. I mean, I don't know if they rushed him back, but anytime you come back off a hamstring, it's one thing in practice, because you're just kind of practicing. It's just for two straight hours. You're moving. In a football game, you warm up, you go to the locker room. You come out, you kick off. Even if you start on offense, then you're on, on the field or off the field for defense. And there's just a lot of time in between when you're on the field and when you're not. It's why I think a lot of guys, you know, Dr. Middlecoff here, why you re aggravate the hamstring. And their offense is dramatically more dynamic when you have Thielen and Diggs and the tight ends and cooks. And yeah, and Cook. You you could argue that that offense, when healthy, if Cousins is just solid, is as good as it gets in the league. Now, there are better quarterbacks in the NFL, but personnel skill-wise, that's pretty freaking good. Uh, Deshaun Watson was brilliant again. Uh, his stats weren't as crazy this week, just 22-28, but just the eye test, how in control he is, how funny he is to watch. He's one of my favorite players in the league right now. McCaffrey, another 145 on the ground, another two touchdowns running, another big run, Another 30-40 in the air and another touchdown catching the ball. Just a you know, an all world offensive player. And the Panthers just, you know, refuse to die. And he's he's really to me the reason. You know, a lot of teams, their quarterback carries them. For the Panthers, it's Keekly and McCaffrey. And Keekly clearly is first ballot hall of famer one day. I, I think McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy for the next five or six years, is going to just have like a Ladanian Tomlinson type run here of just statistics because teams know they're going to him. Teams know they're going to hand him the ball. Teams know they're going to run screens for him. And it doesn't matter. He's unstoppable. Okay, let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag. At John Middlecoff, Instagram handle. Slide up in those DMs. Mailbag. Thoughts on Mac trade if the Bears pick F ends up in the top eight? They have a tough finish and could easily win five games max. Will they play the Lions this week? I would say this, if the Raiders miss the playoffs again and we'll have a better feel after Thursday night's game, uh, they would be four and five, you know, and they, they would have a probably end up at like seven and nine. They would miss the playoffs the first two years. And while the Bears missed the playoffs this year, they did make the playoffs and win the division last year with Khalil Mack. So in two years, the Bears have one division title and they have Khalil Mack, the Raiders have nothing. They they're like their fans on Twitter never stop leaving me alone because they think four and four is basically like eight and zero. It's actually four and four, and you're like the eighth place team. Now, when you're everyone shitting on you all off season, including myself, I I get you know you're pumping yourself up, but I, I think it's fair to say when you watch the Raiders, which I do, they're basically a Khalil Mack away from being good. So how do you find the pass rusher? They're gonna to need to find a pass rusher. They could have kept Khalil Mack and you know, and still had the number four overall pick, potentially, because they would have been really bad last year. They still would have had the second pick because they could have traded Amari too. They could have got Josh Jacobs. They still would have had cap space. But I would say right now the Bears just last year alone, they still have Khalil Mack and they won the division. So now if the Raiders can make the playoffs the next couple years with all these young players and Josh Jacobs, who right now they have for Khalil Mack and is the offensive rookie of the year. So if he can rattle off a three or four year stretch of playing like this and the Raiders can make the playoffs a couple times, let's not forget the Raiders have made the playoffs one time since 2002. Let me repeat one time since 2002. Middlecoff mailbag. At this point, why don't the Bears just use Mitch as a running back? He's athletic and a good runner and clearly can't throw, and they don't have anything to lose. The argument against using quarterbacks to run is they get hurt. But who cares? They aren't going to move forward with Mitch anyway. Maybe him running a bit could open up some easy throws. I would agree. They, they just need to they need to stop asking him to throw it all the time. He's just not capable. He's not accurate enough. He's just not good enough. He's just not a good player. It, it, it's really... It's really just that simple. He's just not very good. Is there any chance that Bill acquired Sanu to serve as a running quarterback for the defense to practice in their preparation for Lamar Jackson? Bill could see the Ravens as a worthy adversary in the AFC, playoff matchup implications, and Sanu can sling it and took a lot of snaps at quarterback at Rutgers and would serve as Lamar against the first-team defense. Thought this could be additional reason Bill acquired him ahead other than needing help at wide receiver, that's not a crazy thought, but I'd say the ultimate reason you give up a second rounder because I, I could pull, I, I could find, you know, some guy on the street that's an elite athlete to do that. I just signed him to my practice squad. I, I, I think they they used a second round pick for Sanu simply to catch touchdowns and catch first downs. Now, if he does that too at practice, then that's an added bonus. Which you know, if they play each other again in the in the playoffs, which is very possible. Because it's pretty clear that the final four in the AFC is going to be KC, New England, Baltimore, and you know probably Houston or Indy. So they, they could easily see him again. I've been listening to you since the beginning. I love the podcast. Considering the Jets start to the season and the loss this week to Miami, would you consider firing Adam Gase? It seems like only bad franchises fire their coach after a few seasons or one season. I.e. the Browns and the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you do not want to do that because if you fire Adam Gase, now the good thing is you'd have Joe Douglas and you get to just start from scratch. Now, luckily, these NFL teams are making so much money, firing these guys and paying them to go away is not the problem. I think optically it looks pretty terrible, but you you could argue is optically going two and fourteen and getting getting your ass kicked because that's what they got. They didn't just lose; they got their butts kicked by the Dolphins. And they've been horrendous. You know, the Monday night game, now obviously Darnold had mono. But the Cowboy game for the Jets might go down as one of the most bizarre experiences that we'll ever see on the football field. How did they beat the Cowboys like that? I, 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 don't, I don't get it. So I guess, long story short, I would not fire him unless I just thought he was a malcontent bad person. Because you hired him because you thought he was a good coach. And I've always thought he was a good coach, but I'm having second thoughts this year because they are a debacle. Halfway through the season, wanted to check in on your thoughts on the MVP race. I see it as a four-man race between Russ, Deshaun, Lamar, and McCaffrey. I would agree. If I had to rank them right now, listen, maybe I'm biased because this guy's become my favorite player in the league, and I was talking to a buddy in the league who's like, you know what, I kind of missed on Deshaun Watson. I didn't think he could pass it well enough. And I say, well, if you watch him, he's not super crisp passer. He benefits, and he benefited from this in Clemson, to having incredible jump ball and like huge catching radius wide receivers. Remember at Clemson, he had Mike Williams. And he could throw it to him, and he'd just make crazy plays. Well, what does he have in the NFL? He has the guy with by far the best radius in the league and, and easily the best contest catcher guy because he's not a blazer in DeAndre Hopkins. So he benefits from that. But the thing Deshaun has, and Russ has this too, his instincts are elite. His quarterback instincts. So his scramble to keep a play alive, then to throw and hit a wide receiver. His ability to do stuff like that is second to none. And if you're an instinctual player, and he's pretty accurate, and he's such an elite competitor, uh, I, I... he might get my vote. But I am I do have a soft spot for, like, not a career record, but Russ Wilson, when his career's over, he deserves to have an MVP on his resume. And this is his best season ever. Uh, I, I'm going to be at the game when they play the 49ers here next Monday night. If he were to win that game or win some of these games down the stretch and they go 11-5, and 12-4, I'd have no problem. I, if, if you told me right now Russ or Deshaun Watson won it, I, I it wouldn't bother me at all. I'd probably, as of today, I'd vote for Deshaun Watson. But I could also easily check the box for Russ. And I I go back and forth week to week. Uh, I don't know, Russ just had five touchdowns. I would have probably McCaffrey third and Lamar fourth. And that's not, uh, you know, Lamar's been fantastic. I, I think McCaffrey has carried the Panthers. I mean, they're five and three playing with Kyle freaking Allen. And McCaffrey's like, no big deal. I'll give you 150 on the ground, another 50 in the air, and three touchdowns a game. It's a, it's a good group right now. It, it really is. So I, I'd probably go, as of today, the slightest of edge to Deshaun Watson with Russ right there. And I would say on a given week, they go back and forth. And then McCaffrey and Lamar right under him. But McCaffrey has like a legit, I mean, a legit uh, argument for this thing. You know, and it, it's rare for a running back. Remember the one year. And it makes way more sense now when he's like, Yeah, I ran for two thousand yards. I carried my team into the playoffs. Well, who's your quarterback? And Adrian Peterson looks back at you and goes, Christian Ponder. You're like, oh, I get how you won the MVP. <laughs> you know? And I think McCaffrey, if they were to make the playoffs over Seattle, let's say that. Let's say the Panthers go ten and four. Or I mean not ten and four. That that would be fourteen games. Ten and six. And Seattle goes ten and six, but they have the tiebreaker. However. And McCaffrey has you know, 2,500 all-purpose yards and 25 touchdowns. I, I couldn't argue with you voting for him. It's a loaded it's a loaded group. Was that Sunday night game even real question? I must be dreaming that the Ravens uh, ended the past perfect season. That being said, do you think a coach like Bill would ever lose to a team on purpose to get the attention on, on his team? I can think of a few reasons as to why this could be beneficial to the Pats, because the pressure of a perfect season is off them. Everyone wants to blow Lamar now, appreciate the input, God bless. I don't think he blows the game on purpose, but once he's losing the game like late in the fourth quarter and it's kind of over or once he gets to a situation, <clears throat> he might stop calling certain plays. I, I could definitely see some big picture in that because he only he had no losses. He's still going to rattle off a bunch of wins, and more than likely he's going to get the number one seed no matter what. But, you know, in the heat of the moment, he's trying to win the game. Now, I I do think he's very careful. Did they use a fake play yesterday on offense? Didn't they run a double pass? Yeah, and then Brady hit the check down. So I I, I think they're coaching to win. I think they're so so well coached in New England that he can always bring up new wrinkles. Really, the bottom line is Lamar just made some plays that even if you had the 85 Bears defense, you just might have lost to. Sometimes great players make plays and there's nothing you can do. I, I think sometimes we overthink it because it's like Lamar Jackson is just like this freak athlete. What are you going to do? He's, he's he's moving around back there like Barry Sanders. Like I mean, I, Mike Singletary, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, and Patrick Willis could be chasing him and he might make them all miss. He's just that special. Question for the pod. Why do you think all of a sudden there is a shortage of reliable kickers? Is it really because they move the extra point back? I do think that definitely brings into play a lot more misses. Because I think we see, it feels like, I know we missed an extra point tonight. Uh, On Monday night, you know, I I don't have the stats in front of me. But it feels like almost a missed extra point a game. Maybe a little less than that. Like .75 misses a game. So that's a lot of misses throughout the league if you're just sitting there watching football on Sunday. where that pl- You never miss the extra point. And that's why Belichick, remember, fought to get it moved back. Because he said, what's the point of this? Why don't you just give an automatic one? Because when you made him kick the field goal at the two-yard line, wasn't it like, I think it was like almost 99% they were going to hit the extra point. So when you move it back, what is it now, a 35-yard field goal? There is just, especially late in a game, in a tie game, or it, there is some tangible pressure on that. It's no longer a quote-unquote ship shot. As the weather changes in some of these places, in Lambeau and Soldier Field and Philadelphia and Washington and New York, they get a little dice here. So, yeah, I, I think it's we've probably never had more talent at kicker just in terms of guys with leg strength and stuff. But it's probably the mental focus it takes just... You know, if any of you guys golf, you know, when I give you a tap in, if I'm playing you in match play and you have like a two footer and I go, it's good, well, I'm going to say it's good. But if all your tap ins are seven and a half feet, I'm not giving you any of those putts. Even if you're the best putter in the world, there's still some nerves going into the putt, right? It's no different with a field goal kick. I bet if you just took Godkowski or Tucker or McManus or any of the top kickers, just to the practice field and line them up to where the extra point is now, 35 yards or 37 yards or whatever the hell it is. They would hit that just over and over with ease. But the game situation is a little more intense. You know, it's just it's just an intense situation, especially when the point is factoring in like, hey, this is to tie the game, this is to take the lead, this is to get us within the eight points, whatever the game situation is. I mean, you feel it as a fan just watching it on your couch. Uh, and, you know, I've – I've seen some kickers miss some kicks in my life, and uh, yeah, it's just a weird position. So yeah, I think I think the extra point is. I guess that's a long-winded way of saying it. I think it's as simple as the extra point getting moved back has screwed up a lot of kickers. Appreciate everyone listening. Again, the Carson Palmer interview last week. If you haven't listened, go check it out. It was really good. And uh, I guess I'll see you after Thursday night football. We got a little Raiders coming down the home stretch of their time in Oakland at the Coliseum versus the Chargers. Who are you know? Both teams are playing pretty well right now. Pretty, uh, pretty fired up for that game. Share this podcast with your friends. Appreciate everyone listening, and uh, let's just keep enjoying the football season. Talk to you later. See you. <laughs>